The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Let's talk about pensions because I don't have one and it gives me a pain in my stomach when I hear about them. Speaking on his visit to Japan, the Taoiseach Michal Martin has signalled that there's going to be a big shake-up of Ireland's pension system and that a broad agreement has been reached between Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens, the coalition leaders and the ministers for social protection, public expenditure and health. To discuss this, I'm joined on the line by Cliff Taylor, the managing editor of the Irish Times. Cliff, how are you doing? Not too bad, Stephanie. Morning. Listen, Tell me, what, what is this big shake-up? I know that Fianna Fáil were all about the retiring at 66. Fianna Gael thought it should be 67. What, what's Absolutely. this? What's, where do we stand now? Well, where we stand is it's, it's 66, I suppose. Uh, that's the first uh, indication that's coming out. You might remember that this, uh, well, this has been talked about for years for a start, increasing the age at which people qualify for the state pension because the population is getting older and it's find you know the state is finding it more difficult to keep pensions affordable um, there was a big row during the last general election campaign the government kicked this to a pensions commission the pension commission recommended that the state pension age increase very gradually to 67 in 10 years time uh, or nine years time and at 68 thereafter um, still a lot of opposition to that but the first thing we've learned is that it will be 66 so people will still qualify for their state pensions when they're 66. The government is going to try and make it a lot more flexible for people to work, to continue to work beyond that if they decide to, uh, you know, by, by, by uh, bringing in legisla- legislation in terms of the contracts that employers can, can, um, can sign with people and ensuring they don't put pressure on people to retire before the state pension age. But the state pension age is staying at 66, and I think that's the first... So that's the seems, first big message. Yeah, so people don't need to panic. If you need to retire at 66, you still can. Um, so the current state pension at that age is €253.30. Yeah. Are they saying now that if you if you retire later, so say you continue until 67, maybe 70, that, yeah. that you'll be getting more money per week? Or have they talked about how this is going to work operationally? We haven't got the full details of this yet, so uh, but we can kind of speculate on, on, on where this might be going. So the first thing is, there's a lot of people who retire without a full work record. In other words, they don't qualify for the 253 because they haven't got enough PRSI stamps or payments over their working career. Uh, so people will, those people will be allowed, if they choose, to work on longer, to continue working, to continue paying PRSI, to continue accruing extra credits. And, and in that way to, to build up their record uh, and hopefully qualify for the, the 253 or whatever it is in future by the time they do retire. It does also appear that the government may be considering allowing people who work on, who already have a full record, uh, to qualify for slightly higher payments. A little unclear, how, you know, the detail of that is a little unclear. The Pension Commission recommended that that might be possible uh, on kind of on a cost-neutral basis. Um, so you may be able to work on longer. You'll certainly be able to continue paying PRSI and you may be able to boost your pension a little bit uh, by doing that in the years ahead. Is this something that we anticipated coming or is it just a shock announcement from the Taoiseach who's <laughs> in Japan? <laughs> well, uh, they've been playing around with this for years, uh, for years, Stephanie. So I suppose nothing is a shock, uh, so to speak. And, and the State Pension Commission did kind of recommend this kind of flexible approach to pensions, giving people a bit more choice uh, and allowing them to work on longer and to kind of accrue greater entitlements. And of course, people not having enough entitlements for their pension is um, 
you know, is a big problem in this country. Now, there, there are other big questions that we don't know the answer to yet. For example, the State Pension Commission recommended that uh, pensions be indexed to inflation or to, or to wages elsewhere in the economy. Uh, so they would go up automatically each year. Uh, they recommended that a special body be set up to kind of look at the level of pensions and, and advise on what they should be to uh, to avoid poverty and, and you know p- older people living in poverty. So we, we don't know where we stand on that. So there's a lot of pieces still to be filled in. And I suppose, you know, in the longer term, this is going to have to be paid for as well. And one of the ways it's going to be paid for is via higher PRSI payments. So people in work will pay a little more PRSI probably gradual enough in terms of the way that might be introduced. And the second thing is that there's probably going to be a, a, a pot of money, if you like, from the general taxpayer funds, which goes, which is allocated each year automatically to, to pensions. Uh, at the moment, the state chips in when the uh, social insurance fund is in deficit, in other words, where there isn't enough money there to pay entitlements. But it may be that, that kind of an automatic an automatic give is needed each year from the state and in turn that has implications for for taxes in in, in the longer term in the country. So it's probably not a great idea for people to go and cancel their private pensions now because of this announcement. Um, No, I I think, you know, the other the other leg of this stool, if you like, is is going to be to encourage people to to have private pensions, and we have this move now towards auto enrollment, so that people going into jobs will be automatically enrolled in a few years' time in a pension plan, and will actually have to actively opt out if they don't want to do it. And that's to try and boost the level of people in the private sector, in particular, uh, who have pensions apart from the state pension, and give them more to live on them when they retire. Particularly important at the moment. Uh, Stephanie, because few, you know, there's a lot more people renting now and fewer people owning property, and, and the property asset was one way that people funded themselves or have been funding themselves through retirement. But if, so if people don't have a don't have an asset like a house that they own when they retire, you know, it's going to be increasingly important. In I think some listeners pensions. who are paying rents at the moment would would, would be like, well, how yeah, am I meant sure. to pay into a pension with the rent I'm yeah, paying? This is, yeah, a, this, a, a, this is going to be a, this is going to be a controversial point of the offering. We have a text here from a listener that says, I think the pension age is a great idea. I would have loved to work on. I'm 72 now and I still feel I could be at work. So I agree very much with it. That's from Elaine. Do give us your texts and let us know your thoughts on that topic. Thank you very much for joining us, Cliff. Um, we'll have you back when we know more just to see we'll have you back when we know more just to uh, you know clarify everything and uh, see if we need to be more fearful or more excited about the opportunities that this that this brings I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of detail in this stuff I, I think the government has kind of taken a gently gently approach but it is going to have to be paid for I suppose in the longer term by a general taxes and PRSI but we'll in see. terms we'll, of pensioners I think they'll be alright we'll be on the edge of our seats thanks very much Cliff thanks Stephanie now, to uh, chat through what else has been going on in the week, we have a panel to discuss pensions and more. We have Geraldine Herbert, the Sunday Independent Motoring Editor and Columnist, and we have author Dave Rudden. Welcome to the studio. Hi, Stephanie. Yeah. What do you, do you do? You have pensions? How do you feel about them? I have some shaking heads here at me. Yeah, I was quite interested in the idea of excited and pensions used in the same sentence. <laughs> it doesn't do that for me. Um, I, I think this is one of those hugely, hugely challenging issues, really, because, you know, we had to accept the fact that when pensions were introduced, people had much lo- shorter lifespans and now they're living longer. And the ex- expectation yeah. is in the next decade, if they're living till they're or in the next few decades, if they're living till they're in their 90s, they could be 25 years on the current pension, which isn't obviously feasible. I was reading about <clears> this <throat> earlier when the current when the current uh, 
pension age was set at 66. The average life expectancy for an adult man in this country was 82 to 83 years. So you were only going to be retired for, you know, mm. just over a decade. Now people are living so long. It, it just seems like the pension age really needs to be reconsidered. Yeah. And the other thing to bear in mind, I think it's 3.4 working people are needed to support one person retiring at 65. Mm. But then on the other side of that, we know from the UK when they tampered with the retire, with the retirement age or the pension age, that poverty among the uh, over 65 doubled. So you have to be really mindful of that as well. So I, I think it's one of those things that it's it's very unfairly spread at times because there are people in jobs and that's why the flexibility is quite a good thing. There are people in jobs who cannot work after 65. Yeah. The physical demand of their working life. And then there are other people who as the, that texter was saying could quite happily work into their 70s. So the flexibility is what's needed really. But I mean it is one of those hugely challenging issues and it's not just in Ireland. It's across uh, particularly across Europe and globally. So yeah, I mean, like as a as a writer, much like a mortgage, the idea of a pension is a completely foreign concept to me. But um, and I think like it would be great to see sort of more education on that for like for people who are like because I know very little about pensions aside from what I've read for this. I do think giving people as much choice as possible is an important option because everybody's careers are different. Some people absolutely want to get straight out the door at sixty six, and other people that job is a huge part of their identity, and they don't want to be forcibly removed from something that is maybe not just their work but also part of their social life and things like that but it just needs to be they need to be supported Do you envision what, like, what age do you envision yourself working until? I, I kind of assumed that I'd work until I, my pants fell off and I stopped writing basically like I just never I mean again I'm not doing a I won't say that writing is an easy job it's certainly not a, like it's not like manual labour it's not there's no heavy lifting really involved so I thought I would just do it until I wanted to stop I never really thought about a date where you just I wouldn't know what I'd do it myself if I wasn't writing mm. basically And what about you? Freelancer, so I'm more or less the same. I don't have a time in my mind that I, you know, that'll be it. I'll decide this is it. But when you think um, about your old life, like so when you're 70, 80, do you imagine yourself getting still like getting self-esteem from your work? Or do you think, oh, you know, I'd love to retire and garden and go on sunny holidays to Europe or... Do you know, I don't really give it that much thought in the sense that I have kids like they're that are going to have to be educated and whatever. So I kind of think about getting past that and maybe yeah. reviewing the finances then. But I just, you know, I because I'm freelance and I don't have the, the luxury of paid leave or anything like that, I've never kind of thought about that idea where I won't be working because it's it's such a key part of my life. I'd be well the same. Else, like, so. I, I don't even think about like, <laughs> well, should I go on holidays this year? You know, like yeah. you have to think about these things. Um, but at the same time, when we know our work is so vital, are so precarious I, I don't have a pension I don't have a plan for the future because it, I think because when you work freelance you're living paycheck to paycheck or you don't know if the work is going to stop and so the idea of putting away money for a future version of yourself that may or may not come it just seems a little bit too treacherous Absolutely and I mean I, I think the other thing about being a freelancer is when you have money you tend to get things then you spend the money then on the things you need yeah. so if you have stuff coming up you think right I have a large pay packet now I need to buy those things now because I may not have it when those come up so you can't look further than just the next big events really so it just doesn't afford you the, 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 the luxury to plan but I think that's the other thing as well as we have a whole generation now who are probably not going to own their own homes and apart from the fact of what was said in the report about that you know your home being used as an asset it's not even that it's the fact that you're con- constantly have to pay a weekly amount of money for where you live how are these people going to do that on a pension yeah. and none of this has been talked about and we seem to have these like kind of these strands of, of society that just never link up and we never see housing as key to all of these you know mm. at the very heart of all of our planning it should be between pensions transport everything housing should be at the very heart of it and we seem to miss that point constantly. I feel like 
our Irish approach to pensions, to housing, to all that is is all stuck in the Mokanee look, which is yeah. like things that might happen. <laughs> which nobody like, understands. Nobody so. understands. But like the Mokanee look, like it, this is going to happen. People are going to get older. There are not going to be enough people paying into the pension pot mm. to draw down the state pension. And yet I know this and I'm not making provisions for myself and I know that they're, if you're listening and you also feel the same, you can text us at 53106. We have a text in here. I recently turned 65 and discovered that I didn't have enough credits for a full state pension, nor was I eligible for a non-contributing pension due to my husband's small civil service pension. So please tell every woman out there to plan now. Don't wait until you are 65. It is a total nightmare. That's from Catherine. That's really interesting. I don't really understand how the credits uh, for the full state pension works. Mm. But you were saying that, Dave, about education. So that's key. But I think also this, you know, this auto opt-in thing that they're going to bring in, that that will in some ways work to make people just automatically be thinking about pensions, be paying into pensions, even when they're not actually thinking about it. But there's a huge effort that needs to be put into actually just making people understand how these things work yeah. and ensuring that they have enough credits by the time they retire or what do they need to do in order to, to do that and like there's no point getting to the age of 65 and, and uh, you know discovering that so I think there's a huge lack of understanding there and it's not people's fault there's you know there's, there's a campaign there that needs to be done a public awareness campaign I remember when my nana was alive she would talk to me about some issue that happened with her pension as well she didn't have enough stamps <laughs> but when the words pension and stamps came like my 16 year old brain would just be like okay <laughs> we're not I'm listening out, yeah. to this I'm out <laughs> I wish I'd listened to her now another text in from a listener it's the public pensions that the government needs to look at they get very good pensions after a much shorter time in work yeah we do always hear then about people who uh, like pe- people who get like these incredible pensions after working two years in a job it just seems very unbalanced if people are listening in can you keep getting in touch with the show so that you can explain to us your pension story because I don't have a lot of context here and uh, like that's that that texter Catherine who discovered she was not eligible any more stories like that I'd be fascinated to hear because uh, I didn't I didn't know that was a thing I thought that state pension was just like you just got it because you got to 66 and you had been working if you like if you listen to this segment and you think I need to go just check Mike, I mean, that's a good thing. You know, we should all be asking that question as soon as possible. But I hope we're not representative of the general public, all three of us sitting no, here. No, I'm going, an Egypt, don't so. Pension, don't understand pensions. I hope there's, there's better understanding out there. It's a real ostrich situation. We're like, I'm just going to bury my head in the sand hope yep. this works. Let's move on to the next story with that in mind. Um, so Jennifer Lopez got married this week. And, uh, How many times is that? Just remind me. I have no idea, but I, they're it's adorable. Five. They were walking around. Yeah, I, only, I don't know why I know that, but, I'm, but uh, good for her. They've been, they've been circling each other for a while, I think, her and Ben. So yeah, it's a cool. real... I feel like she's been in a movie with this plot, you know, at some point. But she has now become Jennifer Affleck. And it got me thinking about how do we feel about people taking another partner's names in a, in a heterosexual couple or a homosexual couple how do you feel about it today is my wedding anniversary I'm one year married today congratulations congratulations and I did not take his name because yeah. because my name is, is better yeah. <laughs> frankly how do you feel about it I'm the same um, I didn't get married a year ago slightly longer um, and it never occurred to me to change my name and even though at the time I remember uh, like even my dad kind of thought, is that not insulting to your husband's family that you're not going to take his name? It was like, I'm not taking his name. And for ages afterwards, I, my husband's name is Kane and I received, I used to get Christmas cards to Mrs. J. Kane. 
which I found hugely insulting. But um, it just, it literally never dawned on me. It was the name I had from the time I was a child. It was the name I learned. It was my first name I wrote in primary school. Everything about me was tied up in my name. And it never just, it never crossed my mind to change my name. Now, everyone to their own, if, if you're changing your name, that's that's fine. It, it's, it's, it's a personal decision. But I, I do find it extraordinary that still so many people do. I would have thought it was something at this stage that wouldn't be taken for granted. Mm. That would almost be, not necessarily the exception, but just even 50-50. But I don't yeah. even think it's that much at this stage. No, it's absolutely not. Like in, in an American study recently, 70% of women take their husband's name. 3% of men take their wife's name. I thought about taking my wife's name. Yeah. Because I didn't want to like, we had a very brief discussion about it because there was just no, like both of us are writers. She's a publisher. We sort of, everything we've done, we've done under sort of our names. So it'd be very strange midway through your career to suddenly like rebrand essentially. But like if she was societally going to have to think about taking my name, I was going to think about it as well. And we both just decided it'd be a lot of hassle, a lot of effort. Um, Why would we... Why would we do that? Why would you take on this thing from someone else? And I remember my mom being a little disappointed. Like she was very sweet about it, but she's like, "And would, would Sarah not take mm-hmm. your name?" And I was like, "Do you want to ask her to?" Because like she's not—that's not who she is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sort of like—it's not a diary. Do you know what I mean? So well, that's, it is a vestige of an 11th century law, where it was—it was—it started off being called, I think it was coverage, where basically the woman became covered by her husband's identity. She wasn't allowed to then own land. She wasn't allowed to... She became a covered woman. So it was basically her identity was erased. They couldn't have property, enter into contracts on their own. Husbands had complete control over their wives legally and financially. And then more alarmingly, the law limited a woman's uh, like rights in terms of rape, domestic violence, and they had no legal rights over their children. So when you do hear... When you think about it that way, it's like, why are we continuing this like 11th century vestige? I think it's one of the, with with marriage and with weddings. There's so much like sort of social architecture kind of created around it that if you don't think about it, like a lot like you know getting married in a church, you know different readings that you do, like the 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 saying I do. All of this is stuff that is we've inherited from previous generations, and uh, some of it is lovely, and some of it, if it doesn't feel right with you, you interrogate, it and it comes from a slightly weird mm-hmm. place. And you do see more and more people now sort of designing from the ground up their own weddings and and the way their marriages work because that what's been the default for centuries is just was never fit for purpose and is now just in a a modern society just feels extremely strange. Yeah and then there is something about it that kind of solidifies the commitment like where you're like this is my person and we have the same name and we are a couple that you know I I do think that there are people out there who thinks that it removes any reason for doubt that it is uh, but I don't understand why it always has to be in one direction. Yeah, and myself and Dave were talking about this before we came on air. And what amazes me is the amount of effort you have to go to to do it as well. It's not like it's simple. You have to contact the bank and you have to change all these records. It's actually much easier to keep your own name. But I think women as well kind of think to themselves, when I have kids, that's going to complicate the situation. And I'll turn up to the school then and I'll have a different name to my children. And, you know, I suppose there's, there's... there's slightly more to it, but I, as I said, I, I find it extraordinary that it's still the norm. But as you were saying about why men don't consider it, I thought this was quite strange in the Jennifer Lopez situation because she, not that it all comes down to money, but she's worth four hundred million, he's worth one hundred and fifty. These are very different. You yeah. know, I mean, for us, they're just like mind blowing amounts of money. But you know, in terms of powerhouses, there's an unequal balance there, and yet she's the one. Jennifer ben Lopez the block is changing her name. I'm you know, sh- I'm sure they're up to their eyes in a prenuptial agreement. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure oh, she's yeah. learned her lesson. Um, mm-hmm. Geraldine Herbert from the Sunday Independent Motoring and Editor columnist, and Dave Rudden, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, we will we'll continue and we'll have you back again. Thanks so much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.